Hi, my name is Chantal Oshin, and this is Uncommon. Uncommon and Uncommon Clips are produced by Narelle, a unique digital agency. Head to narelle.com to learn more. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E dot com. So listening to this Dylan Friends chat was interesting. You guys are talking about love languages yeah. for a while. How accurate of a system is it versus what it really is is just a personality assessment, like your big five personality tests? Is it hokey pokey or are we talking about something that is useful for you as a practitioner? It's useful. I give it out to my patients because right. it's inspirational as well. Like we forget that to maintain a positive relationship and we all forget that, myself included, there needs to be ongoing bids for connection. You need to put in a lot of effort into your sex life, into your romantic life, into paying attention and and showing your partner the love that they want to receive. And Love Languages does show you that because okay. often like we're projecting the love language that we want onto our partner. Yeah. Right? So I could be giving you a lot of gifts and you're like, I don't want these fucking gifts, Chantel, yeah. but I want the gifts. <laughs> so I'm like, take the hint. It's not like that. Like you you need to be aware that the way that you think is different to the way that your partner thinks and what's going to mean more to them will mean something different to you. So yeah. love languages is extremely helpful. Yeah, it sort of sounds like the the male and the female gaze. Like if you talk to a male about what a female would identify as attract like the typical female would identify as attractive it's mm. um things that they would actually see within a female as primarily attractive mm-hmm. like a lot of guys would talk about um waxing their chest or um all these sorts of things and then you hear about these surveys that come out mm. and women much prefer like a dad bod or mm. um hair on on a guy's face or chest or whatever mm. It sort of sounds similar to that, like you said, projecting what mm-hmm. you want onto someone else. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about that side of things because I'm very much like quite gender neutral in the way that I work. But I think that for the love languages side of things, it is important to know how your partner wants to be loved and what means a lot to them mm. in terms of the way that they give but also take love as well. Mm. Um, and I think we need to stop making assumptions about what's right for our partners. We have to make sure that we always continue to change and grow and other people will follow. When it comes to sitting down and talking to people about relationships, what do you think are the most common mistakes that that people make? Trying to change their partners. You can't change your partner. You can only change yourself and the partner will um, hopefully be encouraged to come to the table with meeting your needs as a, in a relationship as well. I think mm. that there's been many times that I've seen people and, you know, also in my past lives where I've tried to change my partners and I just realize how much it it doesn't work. You can express yourself and say, hey, like, these are my needs. These are some actionable things that you can do to help me in this relationship or make me feel, you know, more cared for or, or to have more from this. But you cannot ask them or try to make them change, criticizing people, you know, saying this is right and this is not right. People have to come to the table with their their own ways of doing things. So just on that, is it that people will come to do counseling with yourself or your colleagues and they 80% of the time they're trying to change who their partner 
is? Or? No, no, no. And we can't look at it in percentages because it's when you have a person come in, they're usually there for themselves or they're usually there to go, how do I connect with my partner on this way? Couples that come in together are there because they want the relationship to change or they're in a crisis mode. Like they they should have done therapy years ago and now they're like, yeah, we're right. about to break up. And I go, well, guys, like we can try our best and I can see that you have a lot here to work with. But I don't do much couples counseling. Right. I only do sexual counseling, sexual counseling for couples, not relationship counseling for couples because yeah, right. I believe that they need to see a relationship counselor and a sexologist at the same time. Wow, so it's even more specified as that. So yeah. You, would most of your practice not even touch the not the relationship side of things, but they will specifically focus on sex, right? And affection and love and, yeah, of course, but not ongoing crisis relationship counselling. And that is because we're booked out until like March and yeah. I just can't, yeah. I cannot let all these people who are having sexual concerns be neglected because we're trying to do things that are a little bit, you know, just off range of what we want to be focusing on. You know, mm. we are sexologists. We want to fix the sexual problems. We can do a bit of relationship counselling in that. And, you know, like with individuals, we do a bit of generalised work with that because it is like a holistic way of approaching it. Um, but if it's just relationship counselling, then we will not focus on it. Yeah, it sounds like you've got to distinguish between couples and individuals because you would see both, right? Just reading your content blogs, interviews, all that sort of stuff, it seems like, particularly when it comes to sex, a lot of the issues that people have, would I be right in assuming it is communication? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we're not taught to talk about sex, you know. We're taught that sex is shameful or that it's, you know, dirty or that you're going to get an STI or, you you know, sex is for only for pregnancy. We're not taught about pleasure-based sex education. We're not taught about how to talk to our partners. We weren't taught about consent. And, you know, often, like, our partners are the hardest people to talk to about sex. And for a lot of people, they can't even say sex. They can't even say the word vulva or vagina or penis. Like, there's a lot yeah. to unpack there. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, we were talking about off-air about sex ed and how um, it is very much... I, look, I don't know the state of s sexual education in Australia, so I can't really comment on it, but I just talk about my own experience. It's like you you learn when you're a kid, You what is it, Harold the Giraffe or whatever it mm, is. Yeah, I didn't get that. You got that, which is yeah. cool. You, so you didn't have, like, the van that came to? No. Oh, okay. No, I went to Catholic schools, so. so. Yeah, well, that primary school was a Catholic school as well. Yeah. They, I don't know, maybe they were just a bit different. Oh, we, yeah, we didn't, we never, I never got sex education. At all? No. Even in high school? No, I got biology education. Like, I saw, like, how a baby is made and I learned about STIs in chemistry Yeah, actually, now that you think, <laughs> no, now that you say that, mm. it is biology education it's it's sex for making babies mm. so you do the Harold the giraffe thing and then you chat amongst your friends I don't think for me I really had the internet back then but then I do remember this distinctly awkward evening where we were like 14 there's a Brighton grammar and they get like an educator in okay but you just I don't remember it at all and yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like a biology chat you know, I find it so baffling that at 18 we're meant to come out of school and, like, <laughs> make a decision about where we want our lives to go. Like, that is so much pressure. Yeah. I didn't want to I – didn't, I didn't know anything back then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that me and my, my mates discuss at the moment for a lot of 
young men in particular because there's a few groups like we're involved in this podcast for Brighton Grammar and it's a, it's around creating young men, like cool. positive role models. And uh, I just remember speaking about it with the host of the show and then chatting to mates about it afterwards. Like young men right now, it's very weird because, you know, unless you're at an organization or a school where they really teach you about sex properly, a lot of people people just go into porn. Yeah. Which is not the best place to be learning about sex, I don't think. Well, that's how I learned about sex, through porn as well. Yeah. So I think it's pretty common that oh, it's very people common. go. It's just that porn is for entertainment. It's not for it's education. completely entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, it's not not so much education, but it's not a uh, realistic representation of what happens, mm. I don't think. Mm. Yeah, I just remember that chat was very, very interesting. I, I wonder if I should link the two of you up to have a chat about that sort of stuff. be very interesting. Maybe. <laughs> See, um, <laughs> one of the other things you touched on as well in a lot of these interviews was it sounded like the the income like particularly with relationships mm. variety. I don't know if you'd agree with that assessment, but the idea of new dinner dates not going to the same place every single time, mm-hmm. the idea of trying new positions and sex not the same thing every single time. Oh, you're talking about the sexual menu. Yes. Yeah. I talk about sex in the way that it is a, a menu. Yeah. Yeah, that you… Why do you think… Like, what is that doing for people in their brain? Like, what what is important about that? When people say, oh, no, I, I just like keeping things as it is, what would you say to that? No one's coming to me saying that. Yeah. People are coming to me saying I want different… I want change. No one's coming to me saying… I like it. I want to, I'm happy in this place because people don't come to see me when they're like really true, happy. True, they true, want, true, they true. want, they want difference. They want variety. They want excitement. They want their sex life to be better. Yeah. yeah. No. Otherwise, why would you book a session? Of course. <laughs> of course. That's true. Do you, do you think variety is important no matter what? Or is it just dependent upon the individual? Yeah. 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 I think variety is extremely important because. If we're mentioning the sexual menu, maybe I'll um, explain it a little bit. Yeah. If you and I were meant to catch up and we're like, hey, well, let's meet this time and I will prepare lunch for you and make me a beautiful lunch, whatever, um, fish, salad, etc. And I go, that was amazing. And you go, great. I'll see you next week. I'll, I'll make lunch again. I go, okay, great. I'd love to see you. <laughs> same time, same place. Cool, cool, cool. And I get there and you've made the same lunch for me. Okay, he's got one skill. Great, great, cool. He's, he knows how to make this fish and salad and he's going good. And then you're like, you know what? We should do lunch again next week. I really enjoyed this week. Um, what a, Same time, same place. Cool. And I get there and you've made the same lunch for me. I'm not coming back. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> absolutely not because I am bored of meeting you at the same time in the same place eating the same meal. Mm. I need variety. Why don't we meet for dinner instead and we'll go to a restaurant um, and we'll have a cocktail instead. That's more exciting because I know that we might have something different to talk about and different things to see and, you know, different flavors to indulge in at that time. And, you know, we might get dessert afterwards, that Mm. kind of thing. And you look at sex as like a, you need different cuisines, you need different spices and you don't always have to have like entree main and dessert, you might just want to have like a couple of little entrees. So maybe like massages and some oral sex or some toy play, etc. And then maybe for your main, you you have anal sex or something like that. And uh, for dessert, you just, I don't know, maybe you 
69 or something like that. I don't know. But I think it's really about changing up your menu every time um, and going, you know what, I just, maybe I, I don't want to have every single thing on this menu right now and maybe just a quickie in the car or maybe just making out for half an hour will do it for me. That's erotic in itself. Right.